Well, let's spend some time together, shall we? Let's drop the subject with Allie Johnson and James Simmons, who is a nurse practitioner and is also very close to getting his doctorate, though I know you might be second-guessing yourself after hearing what some recent doctors have to say. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no, I am very, very, very happy to be a nurse doctor when I see these physician doctors saying and doing the things that they're doing. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah. you are in the middle. You're you're actually a very busy man right now, and I, I think that we should talk about this because you are writing what people like to call a dissertation, which is something <laughs> I've never <laughs> attempted to write, obviously. I think that goes without saying, and I don't even think I know what the word dissertation means, uh-huh. but are you back into... I mean... I'm, I'm taking up a lot of your time. I'm stealing your time from you. And as soon as soon as you come off the airwaves here at Channel Q, you are feverishly writing your dissertation because it's due at the end of the week. And are you getting to the point where you're back into those kind of high school slash college days of staying up all night writing a paper and then all the words are blurring together and you have to worry about margins and all you really want is your uh. dad to do it for you? That is the worst. The The formatting of the paper might ultimately be the worst part. Just to like, honestly, it is so difficult. And there are these very specific guidelines. So like, you know, the n- nursing has very specific guidelines about how your paper is supposed to be and what's supposed to be in your paper. And then the graduate division of UCLA, where I'm getting my doctorate, also has very specific guidelines about how you have to turn your paper. This whole thing, like we're literally having a two hour Zoom about it on Friday for someone to come in and just walk us through step-by-step how we're supposed to format this thing. So not only, I mean, I think right now with you, if you include the appendices and graphs and charts and things, my, my paper is about 70 pages. Oh my. (laughs) Now is that the other, I think, Formatting is the worst. And then also that bibliography. That was the always the uh, thing that really got me is that yeah. how many pages is your bibliography? I mean, right now, I think it's at like 14 or 15. <gasps> um, and, but this is part of what and this is here's the thing like this is I got dissertation is the easiest word to describe what I'm doing. The type of doctorate I'm getting doesn't specifically require an actual dissertation if you get down to like the nitty gritty, but essentially I'm still pumping out like a hundred page paper. So it's for all intents and purposes, a dissertation. And I've gotten okay at the, like the bibliography, the reference pages that I'm okay with. And the citing things in the text and whatever that all of that is fine. But you know, you, you, you feel like you have the, 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 uh, formatting down. And then it's like you hit the space bar once and then everything goes to crap. And then you're like, oh, my God. And it's 2 a.m. and you have to do it over again. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. It's now when (sighs) you turn in your paper, are we still going with paper? You can't turn Uh, in just a digital. I I feel like when I was writing papers, I was writing actual paper that would be uh, turned in in paper form. But now that we live in this digital age, you even have to print that. I mean, just printer ink alone, that's going to cost you like 20 bucks. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Uh, that You know, that's a really good question. I don't think we actually have. Well, let me say this. I do know that they keep one paper copy in the archives of my school for every person who has finished their doctorate level final work. So okay, but that's on their dime. That's on I think that's on their dime. Yeah. What I turn in is electronic, but that doesn't even necessarily make it easier. <laughs> it's no, still, it doesn't. 
it's still kind of a pain. But I, you know, I, I, I don't want to complain. Also, a, I chose this, right? No one forced me to go get my doctorate, uh, and I'm very happy to be doing it. And I'm very happy to have been able to do sort of the like project research that I did. It's all really wonderful. But yes, I am feeling almost like my undergraduate days, where I'm going to bed late, I'm waking up early, I'm like drinking mm. coffee at 9 p.m. Like I don't even know who I am. Like I, it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit intense. But that's all right. We're gonna get her done. Yeah, well, how many years of school now will this be for you? Is this 16? Oh how many? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 47 years of school, and I'm only 41 years old. Um, no, that's, I mean, if you count my undergrad and then my master's and my doctorate, we are looking at uh, uh, four, uh, about 12 years of school. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're so much smarter <laughs> than I am. And I, I'm actually not the dumbest person, though I felt like it last night. I did a... My, my our evenings were very different. You were writing a hundred plus page dissertation on uh, on a subject matter that you have explained to me two different times, and I still it goes over my head just because I'm I I don't know that I'm smart enough to. <laughs> you can just just explain quickly what it is. You're you're totally fine. No, I'm I'm trying to understand the impact of Instagram as a tool to increase oral HIV prophylaxis in eighteen to thirty five year old African American gay men. That, I mean, that's oh, that's like 50 of the 100 pages right there. Just that's <laughs> just just describe. Yeah, you should see the title of this thing. It's like three lines long. It's kind of crazy. no, that's important subject matter. It's cool. I mean, it, it must have taken you years to, to work on that. And uh, and it, it's a pretty I'm sure those things when it comes to writing a paper, it's always awful. I think that the process, no one really loves it. I mean, from so from the thesis statement to the bullet points, to the actual writing it, to the getting the paper graded and seeing all those red marks all over your work. Mm. I mean, none of it is that exciting. But when you finish it, when it's completely done, there's nothing like that freshly printed essay that oh, you're just like, man. you put it up to your nose and you're like... This is hours of my life, days <laughs> and, of my mm, life. Mm. And then all put together and all of this hard work. Not that this is why you do it, but, you know, for a virtual graduation. Wah, oh. wah. They're like, then they keep surveying us. They keep asking us like, hey, what do you want to do for your graduation? What do you? And, you know, when you when you become doctor, whatever, doctor of poetry, doctor of whatever, it doesn't matter. You get hooded. It's got like a hooding ceremony is oh, what it's God. called. And uh, it's like so it's supposed to be like a big deal, whatever. Uh, but they're like, what do you want to do for your hooding ceremony? Let's do it virtual. What do you want to do for your graduation? I'm like, you know what? Just take my paper. So give me give me give me the letters. I'm out. <laughs> like, I, I don't want yeah. I actually don't You're want like, a virtual flip the graduation. Cap and have it. A day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when it comes to virtual hooding ceremonies, that's probably one of the better ones that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. I'll, I'll talk about my night at a different time because it was it was much less exciting, but it, it made me come off pretty dumb uh, that later. But next, when we come back, there are some doctors that are saying things uh, just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you're a good doctor and doesn't mean you're spreading the message that should be ingested by the public. There are two doctors that are getting a lot of hate right now, and they're from Bakersfield, California. Ooh, we'll get to that when we get back. 
drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, they say great minds think alike, but not all doctors think alike. And James Simmons is about to become a doctor. He is going to become a. He's going to get a virtual degree at some point a little later <laughs> in the year. He's one of the people that's going to miss that gr- big graduation moment after twelve years of school. This is the final year, and it will oh, be man. online only. But. Um, when you do become a doctor, I'm very glad that somebody like you will be making an impression in the world because just because you are a doctor doesn't mean you know diddly. It makes me think of conspiracy theorists and how just because you've gotten a doctorate doesn't make a conspiracy theorist a sane stable person (laughs) and there are these two doctors right now that are getting a lot of hate online and i think rightly so what are the nuts and bolts of what they're saying and then we can kind of break it down and crap on them Sure. Well, I, and I, listen, I don't. I respect them as physicians. They obviously put a lot of hard work in. And ultimately, when I, you know, I've listened to a lot of the videos and or watched a lot of the videos, listened to a lot of the commentary on these guys. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, they're probably like they still have patients' best interests at heart. So I want to say this. I also want to say that I don't know them. Okay, but so it's it's Dan Erickson and Artin Masihi. Uh, they own an urgent care a chain of urgent cares in Kern County where Bakersfield is here in California. Ah, got a ticket there. Yeah. So here's the thing they put out, they had this video, they were interviewed by a local TV station and they were like, basically we need to reopen. And here's why we ran our statistics. And if you match our statistics up with other people's statistics, we're showing that the death rate for this is like (laughs) 0.03%. It's way less than lots of other things. And Oh, by the way, If you match our statistics up with like the state of California statistics, we can show that there's probably a lot of herd immunity in the community. So once you get to a a herd immunity of about 70 or 80 percent in a population, a virus tends to burn out. So that that part is correct. What they were not correct about was where where their statistics came from. So they essentially tested about 5,000 people who had come to their urgent care centers over the course of the last six weeks. That is a skewed sample. So you can't take, I think uh, Dr. Robinson, I think who uh, on Twitter put it absolutely perfectly. He was like, or maybe this was Dr. Bergstrom. Bergstrom, I mean, yeah. He said that basically Dr. Bergstrom is an epidemiologist out of University of Washington. He basically said, it's sort of like taking the height of NBA players and then saying that that's the average height of the American population. (laughs) So you can't. And so that is not mine. I think it's a brilliant analogy, but it's not mine. But it's per it explains this perfectly. Mm -hmm. So then what they did is they ran with that errant data. So they said, okay, well, this matches this and this matches that. And remember, we talked about this before that Stanford uh, randomly tested 3000 people in in Northern California and saw that, you know, the likelihood there's more than 400,000 people in Northern California who are already infected. So they're demonstrating that maybe we do have some level of, of herd immunity. The issue here is, is that they are they're mixing facts and things that we know with a lot of theoretical assumptions on bad data. And that's the part that really gets me because these videos, which have now incidentally been pulled from YouTube, by the way, because the American uh, uh, College of Emergency Physicians and the uh, there's two of them, I think emergency has like two of them. Yeah, the American College of Emergency Physicians, the American Academy of Emergency Medicine released a statement putting these two dudes on blast. It is very rare 
Yeah, not in a cute, not in a cute hot way. Not in a cute way. No, they put them on blast and they were like, we completely disagree with these guys. This is not what we're taught how to interpret data. This is dangerous. The entire, uh, you now are influencing millions and millions of people because I've received this video probably five or six times. Some of them from followers online, friends and family. It's crazy. So doctors like this. Do you feel like in all of the years of school that you've had, and my, I've talked to my wife about this too because she has her master's, there are people going through these programs that end up with a degree, and are you going through this program with certain people going like, ooh, that person's going to be a bad doctor? <laughs> like, um, they're just kind of flying under the radar. They're not really, gr- like, just because you're sitting in class doesn't mean you get a firm grasp on what's going on. And just because you can pass a test doesn't mean you have a, a complete comprehensive understanding of the things that you're learning that then you can apply into your professional life. Right. I think, uh, you know, there's a funny joke that happens in, in healthcare that people say, what do you call a doctor who got C's in med school? What? Doctor. Yes. Um, and so exactly. it doesn't, it, it, I'll go back to the basketball analogy. Sometimes, and I'm, I'm kind of a basketball head. Sometimes you're like, how in the heck did this guy end up as a pro basketball player? And he's riding the bench and he's getting, making the league minimum $1.4 million a year or whatever. And you're like, I don't understand how this human being is playing basketball. He got there through different circumstances. So these guys, you clearly have to be an intelligent person to become a physician and they understand data to a particular extent. I also think what is the most important thing about all of this is that everyone has to breathe when you get this information. I know we're not supposed to say that anymore, Allie, but stop and breathe (laughs) when you get information like this. And do your own research. Look, don't just absolutely believe it. And also understand that these guys at the end of the day have ulterior motives. Their business is getting hurt as dramatically as any other business. They want to reopen because they're losing money. Well, you can go with the basketball analogy or you can just say, hey, why would we ever base the entire country's decisions on Bakersfield? That's my opinion. (laughs) When we come back, the Taco Bell quarterly, it's a real thing. People are writing poems about Taco Bell. It's come to this, folks. We'll get to it when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, if you have completely run out of things to do... uh, but continue to listen to the show, first of all. And if you've missed anything in, in episodes past, um, check out the podcast because we've done some great things over the past few weeks. We interviewed Cameron Esposito yesterday, which was awesome. So fun. So fun. And so, uh, but, but we also have to share with you some very, very important information. If you have completely run out of things to do, you've listened to all the podcasts and you're all caught up, and you've done your at-home workout, and you've made your bread, and you're like, well, now what? (laughs) I highly suggest going to tacobellquarterly.org. Not Mm. .com, .org. It is a quarterly digital magazine about Mm. all things Taco Bell. And if you really just want to focus on something that is not COVID-related, you're sick of talking about COVID, you're sick of freaking out about leaving the house with the mask and all that stuff. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home and read poems and essays about Taco Bell from real people who probably share in your boredom. The literary magazine for the Taco Bell arts and letters. Now, James, you're a person who is in the middle of writing a 100 page paper on a very important topic. Uh huh. 
And yet, I don't want to negate all of the work that you've been doing, but <laughs> Sam R. Schmidt has written an essay that is detailed in this Taco Bell Quarterly entitled Crunchwrap Supreme and Me The Queer Politics of Fast Food, Fatness, Failing, and Not Giving an F. I mean, it's brilliant. I think that is so fantastic. <laughs> I want to see the bibliography on this one. How many uh, pages is it? Wow. And I do, I mean, I love how we can make an intersectionality between like queerness, fatness and Taco Bell. Like, this, Yeah, I know. Like, Had no on. idea those things were intertwined, but I guess I kind of did know in a way. <laughs> now, there are some poems and I, I know that you're the expert on all things mental, uh, uh, medical in the medical field. Oh, gosh. So never, you can't even not, say it. not all things. No, God, never. But let's just, I'll just take the driver's seat in Uh this one, okay? Because this is my realm. This is performance art. This is poetry, Uh, James. So without further... snap my fingers in the background? Yes, please do. Uh We're going to read a couple of these poems that have been written about Taco Bell. Uh, Maestro, will you? This is entitled, With Fire Sauce. I was flirting with the night crew. When a girl I hated in high school ran into the Taco Bell screaming, Oh my God, girl, I think your car is on fire. True story. Still got nachos. Sorry, sorry, I forgot. I forgot my son. That was yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> tra- that was so trans- transformative. Um, that, was, that was by Kelly Simpson. That was amazing. <laughs> Who? Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, Kelly Simpson is, is in Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I believe our our next um, our our next. I feel like we need to use the voices of the ladies from NPR, but also on yeah, Saturday Night or like Live, the Moth right? podcast. Right. This is the Moth. This is the or like let's use our ASMR voices. But we have someone else who has an MFA in dramatic writing from NYU. So either in Oklahoma or New York City, Taco Bell unites. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell unites. Taco this Bell. is Alan Johnson with a poem entitled Topher. Do you want to do this one? Sure. Topher. <laughs> you were late to the party. Coming in with a Taco Bell party pack, hidden in your suit jacket. We drank and drank until you were confident to drive 10 miles <laughs> per hour down Beltline. <laughs> At IHOP, you peed in the parking lot. <laughs> a woman said, I can see your little peeny. And I think that was the funniest night. I mean, that one's my favorite so far, but why don't we finish it with somebody who has the best name I could, I could not have written it or <laughs> gotten high enough to think of a name right. better than the name Gark Mavigan. Oh, that's amazing. Gark, He's, I got, I'm, I'm, you read, I'm going to Google Gark Mavigan. I got to see okay. what Gark looks like. We got to find out who Gark is. We got to have Gark on the show. Gark is a professional rapper and poet based in San Francisco. He has been to the White House to perform. And this is what he wrote for the Taco Bell Quarterly. It is called A Dollar Seven. <clears throat> Two quarters corralled from the console. Gunky nickels scraped from the cup holder, holder's hollow. Pennies and dimes scrounged from a couch cavity. Yeah. Search before we mobbed. Yeah. To the bell in our dusty-ass Chrysler town. Yeah. And country. Yeah. And hoped. Yeah. And prayed. Yeah. We had enough. Just enough for one. 
pintos and cheese. <laughs> that's that's like the that's like the bottom, right? Like you know, like when you're like, I, I got, mm-hmm. I can't. There's no chalupas. There's nacho bel grande. There's none of that's going on. Just All you need me, is a dollar seven. Give me the bean and cheese with or without <laughs> onions. Onions, please. Thank you. Like we're gonna take everything you can get for the dollar seven. Come on, Gark. Come on, Gark. Come on, Gark. Gar. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. More poems? You don't know. You'll have to wait around to find out. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Since most of your brain power is being used to write a paper, thought we would ask you more questions there, James Simmons. <laughs> uh, this is, I asked for this. I said, ask the NP. So You did. I did. And yeah. with the exception of reading poems from Taco Bell enthusiasts, mm. this has been a medical heavy hour but i think it's important uh it's important to address this next question for ask the np this is where we get to ask anything to the np that you're afraid to ask your md and i think a question on a lot of people's minds right now is it's about to be i mean it is allergy season people are in their homes and out of their homes sneezing sniffling blowing their noses uh there's gunk all over the place you've got i mean all kinds of activations as far as pollen and dust mites. And I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. And the question is, how do you do little things? I'm not even talking to just about like, take some Zyrtec. I'm saying, what are the other everyday things that you can do to combat these seasonal allergies because the sneeze shaming is real and I don't know if people are going to be able to withstand it when we reintegrate back into society and we've just got those basic allergies that have uh-huh. nothing to do with COVID-19. Uh-huh. The shame is still going to be real and it will be fervent. So how can we combat it in a way that's like just simple things? Like I'm looking at one of these articles and it says mm-hmm. to take to to nix early morning walks like little things like that what can we do and sure if okay so i love this suggestion so if you are pollen sensitive which a lot of people with seasonal outdoor allergies are uh then the pollen count tends to be the highest in the early a.m so if you're gonna go for that daily walk try to make it in the evening or later on in the morning if you can um but uh, I emphasize this in the beginning because one of the I think one of the best things you can do is sort of identify what your allergies are. Now, most people who are really, really bad allergy sufferers, sufferers know they're like mine is cats and people dander or whatever. Right. Mine is pollen and like pretty flowers, like whatever yours, whatever your allergy is. Try to figure out what it is, because then you can tailor your approach to avoid that, because if you're not a pollen sensitive person. Like I tend not to be, even though I have some like indoor allergies. So I can go outside in the early AM and run or whatever it does that the pollen doesn't bother me at all. So if you're a pollen person, push back your, your walk. Um, also things like sometimes we'll just go outside, especially now because we're just all clamoring to go outside. We're like, we have to go outside right now, or I'm going to scream. So we're going outside without sort of being protective of, of what's going to happen with our allergies. So like, if you see that your neighbor's mowing their lawn and you're sensitive to that, don't walk past that. Like, go in the other direction, you know, sort mm. of be smart. Also, allergy with a lot of things, just like pain in some situations, allergies tend to be better managed when you can get ahead of them and be proactive, which is why I say know what your allergies are. So if you're like, I got to go outside, pollen news, news weather person says the pollen counts high. Take your allergy medication even before you leave the house. 
so that you're not going outside, getting the symptoms and then trying to fight the symptoms off. Like take your medication up front and then it will minimize your symptoms once you get outside. Now, what if you can't, what if you don't have access to an allergy test? Are you just supposed to do, I feel like it's just the wild west when you don't have that. It's just like, I don't know, figure it out. If you're sleeping and you get bad allergies when you're sleeping, then it's your dust mites. If you have it in, so it's just kind of process of elimination and you figuring it out. I mean, Dr. Jen always talks about how we need to know our triggers and you're saying we just need to know our, our snot triggers. I think most people with really a significant like sort of seasonal allergies will know. So they will walk into a house with cats and like within three minutes, their nose will be stuffy. Right. That's why I never have um, visitors. But I think that a lot of them are lying. <laughs> They're like, whatever. I'm not allergic to cats. Um, you, you can. Absolutely. It's probably not necessarily something unless these are really interfering with your daily life. Probably not something you need to get checked out right now, but maybe in a couple months when things get sort of back to normal. But you can absolutely go get allergy tested with your primary care provider. They'll usually then refer you to an allergist who exists. And those people are really good at helping you figure those things out. I also, just in terms of treatment, the next time you make that essential run to the grocery store, drugstore, wherever, I swear up and down by Flonase for so many different things. It doesn't work for everyone, but the people that it works for, it works amazing. But I heard that you can, I know we have to go, but I know I heard that if you take it for long periods of time, it's really bad for you. Yeah, you, uh, Flonase is not something that you should work into like a daily routine over a long time. But if you need to take it during allergy season, few weeks to a month, that's okay. When we say it's bad for you in the long term, it's like taking it every day for years. Oh, okay. All right. Got yeah. It. Or it's like, oh, little tiny amounts of lead. If you're like drinking a bottle of bleach or lead, then yeah, of course it's going to be bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do that. Or like ibuprofen is another one. You know, everyone's like, oh, yes. ibuprofen is going to mess up your kidneys. No, if you take it for four days to help your pain, it's not going to mess up your kidneys as, as long as your kidneys are normal. If you take ibuprofen every day for years, yeah, you're going to mess up your kidneys. All right. When we get back. Does your pet really love you? I think a lot of people are questioning this right now. I know you want to think that your dog wants to be around you all the time. Maybe that is the case, but there are some signs that your pet may be really sick of you. So we'll get to that when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, one of the few benefits to staying indoors is that you get to spend some extra quality time with your furry little pals, your four-legged friends, or maybe two-legged if you're a bird owner, or no legs if you own snakes. But still, you're spending some extra time with your animals, but if you're noticing that you take a break in the middle of your workday and sit on the bed to go pay a visit to your dog only to have it get up and leave the room immediately, you're questioning whether or not your dog still likes you after spending so much time with you, with you during this time. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because you have you have a dog. I do. He's I have my little boba Yeah. He's your, oh yeah, your boba and he uh, he seems I've seen pictures of him and you've put him on FaceTime before. He seems to like you just from what I can tell. But have you noticed any kind of changes in his behavior? And then we can kind of go through whether dogs even love people or not in general. <laughs> and what are the signs that your dog may hate you? Or I, your I, mean, pet? I, I think that there are some signs for sure that 
at least early on, I think he was only around for the food. Like I, I think that cause we were sort of, we had, were going old school training and like we were trying to make him be food motivated and train him with treats and all those sorts of things. So we kind of trained him to be food motivated, I guess. But to your original question, he has changed kind of a lot since we've been home. He's, he's very used to us not being home during the middle of the day um, for at least, you know, four or five days a week usually. And since I think we were here a lot, at first he liked it. And then he was like, I need you guys to go away. Like he was like over it. And now it's really interesting. Now that we're around all the time, he starts to get nervous when we're not in the same room with him at all times. See, that's what, and we were kind of touching on that with people who are adopting puppies and and kittens and stuff, because they're going to grow up thinking that you're there all the time. time. And then when you actually do start going back to work, they're going to be like, what? They're going to have horrible separation anxiety. Or they'll be like, finally, God, I never liked her in the first place. (laughs) I know I'm a little worried about that because he he was never a chewer as a puppy. He never seemed to have that much. He was... Uh, crate trained from really early, like, you know, when he was basically dead, right? They tr- crate trained him in that in that uh, rescue right away. So we were lucky with that. But I feel like maybe we've gone backwards. Po- it's possible. And I'm sure they're going through different stages of grief, just like we are. Sure. And um, your, your when- cats are loving you? No? Yes? Uh, I don't know if they ever really did. Um, I mean, I <laughs> I look at them and I love them more than words can say. And I also look at them and go, you would eat me. If I was dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, they sure but would. They they sure would. And I don't know like I, I'm looking at this list of surprising signs that your pet might not like you. Mm. I am checking in with my cats a little too often. Like I'm realizing <laughs> what they do during the day and it's they do absolutely nothing. They just sleep uh-huh. and then they eat and then they sleep and then they eat. And now my wife and I are like, we need a little break in the middle of the day or whatever. And we're like, hey. And they're like, what? 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 I'm sleeping. I'm clearly busy. Like what? You're- and we are taking more pictures of them than we ever have. Aww. And they're like <laughs> not having it. They're just like, dude. And then when we do try and go outside, my, my cat, she will bolt. She will try and get out the door as soon as she can. And that I think is the, the, the one that hurts the most, mm-hmm. but I don't see that on this list. It says a dog, specifically a dog. If it doesn't trust you, they might track your movements throughout the house. So take notice of your dog. If your dog seems to be kind of like <laughs> watching your every move, it could really mean that they don't trust you or they feel really uncomfortable around you. Ah, uh, and so at first I read this, I was like, track my movements. My dog follows me everywhere around the house. And I, but that's not what they mean. They mean like from a distance, if your dog, yeah, it's looking at you like, you, yeah, she's like, going to the, she's going to the kitchen. What's going on? These, this is the other she's one. Kidding. And it, because there's so much controversy about eye contact, this is saying it's not a good sign. If you're again, specific to dogs, if your dog is not making eye contact with you, though, I do know that some, you know, my cousin, uh, she actually is a blue ribbon champion Irish wolfhound. Uh, she she trains them. She raises them and trains them. And she's like, uh, eye contact is a really sort of icky, tricky thing with dogs because sometimes it's breed specific, but sometimes it can be very threatening if you're making eye contact with your dog with dogs for too long. So don't. She says don't read too much into the fact that your dog may or may not be making eye contact with you. Okay, because there are some dogs where, like your dog specifically, when you look at him, he kind of has this apologetic look. Like, what do you, what do you look? What? I'm sorry. Why are you looking? I know, he's like perennially sad, right? But he will, he will stare longingly at us for hours. 
Like if we were. <laughs> See, yeah, my my cat, my my wife's cat will climb up onto her chest, lay on her chest, and then at extremely close range be death staring her. And I don't know if that's like affection, where she's just you. like, "I love you so much," or if she's just like. <laughs> If I start with her nose and I I think I can get down to her neck by morning, like uh-huh. I, I don't know if she, what she's plotting. <laughs> it's a cat, so probably the latter. If your dog, true, if your dog <laughs> is afraid of you, it might be cowering or hiding throughout the room. Mm-hmm. And then here's another one. If any pet leaves the room whenever you enter it, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this happened to me this morning. I walked into this room where we do, where I do my, you know, the show every day. My cat is looking out the window and she does this. She greets the birds and kind of plots how she would murder them one by one. Mm-hmm. And then I get into it. I'm like, hi, honey. And then I'm, you know, my morning up. And she conveniently immediately leaves and is like, okay, see ya. And I'm like, what? But I would thought it was exciting to now I have these coworkers that I love. They're my furry little friends. And I never see them throughout my work day because they are in the bedroom locked away, not wanting to interact with me. I sort of love this. Now, do you, do you give, are you, do you give your cats treats? Like, are you treat people with the cats? I give I give the cat treats, yes, and and Katie's cat is the fat one. She'll kind of eat anything. Uh, she doesn't move a lot, but when you shake that bag, she's like, <laughs> "I'm coming." God, I'm hungry, kiddums, and she she will eat anything. She'll eat turkey. She'll eat cheese. She'll eat ice cream. But my cat is very picky. She's like, oh, "What is this?" Now will she this will she so. take them from you in general, like or no? If I put it on the ground and walk away, she will. Oh, but that's, I think that's the point, Allie. You got to walk away, which. Uh, Uh, pretty much Mm -hmm. sums it up. I think we figured out the mystery here. Allie's cat is going to eat her tonight. Yeah, you know what? Hey, fine. I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, I might not be here tomorrow. It's because my cat has finally eaten me. She's been plotting it for years, and she's finally solidified her plan now that she's tracked my movements and <laughs> lying in wait. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. We'll be back with more Drop the Subject. Or will we? Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject with Allie Johnson and James Simmons. And you may have received your stimulus check. Maybe you spent it already. Maybe you've put it in your little nest egg. Uh, Maybe you just spent it on groceries because let's face it, you needed it. But what if you received a payment that you were not supposed to get and then the treasury, (laughs) aka Steve Mnuchin, said, hey, why don't you go ahead and just kind of give that money back when you get money that you were not expecting and then boop, it's in your bank account. it, It puts a lot of your morality and ethics in question. And my mentality is once it has reached the bank account, all bets are off. That money's in my bank. That money's in the bank account. (laughs) It is no longer my responsibility to repay you for the mistake that you made. But Steve Mnuchin is asking people to return money that was sent to dead people. In 2009, there was a similar amount of payments that were made to Americans. And at that time, 71,000 payments were made to people who were dead. And what happens <laughs> when that happens? You know, when, say, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're assuming that somebody died recently, right? This is based on last year's tax return. So if somebody is getting a payment, they're not supposed to be eligible for that payment because they are deceased. But 
they did technically file a tax return and they didn't have time to go through and eliminate all of the people and check the records. Now, that means that some dead people have fallen through the cracks. And what happens when that money is already in the person's bank account? Does the next of kin get it? I think that money should still be used to stimulate the economy. I I really feel like maybe also if that's what it's there for to stimulate the economy, then that that's the point of of getting it out there. And uh, maybe there should be there could be stipulations on how the money is spent or something. I don't know. But I, I'm I'm of two minds of this. I'm sort of of like, well, it's technically not yours. Like that was a dead person's money. But uh, we are not necessarily that. I mean, we are obviously not like tax law experts, but. Um, some folks at the Tax Policy Center are. In fact, they address this. Are dead people eligible for coronavirus recovery rebates? And it's kind of complicated. <laughs> Bottom line, can heirs keep a coronavirus recovery rebate that the Internal Revenue Service sent to a dead person? If that person passed away this year in 2020, the answer is a clear yes. Oh, so if you still get that money. You still you keep it. If they pass away in 2020, you keep it period end of well, discussion. That's gr- yes that's great because the person is still grieving it has not even been i mean even if that that person passed in january this is still not a lot of time that has passed for you you're still in the grieving process and i mean y- there's probably a lack of income with that but like say it was your husband and now that income's totally. not coming in like you might totally. even need that money even more yeah so that makes that- sense And I think it's this is sort of uh, to benefit those who have been impacted by the pandemic. Well, the pandemic has essentially been in the United States since January, more or less. Right. Like we we didn't shut down until March, but we were already talking about coronavirus the end of January. So, like, presumably, if someone died in 2020, at some point, them or their families were impacted by everything that's going on. So I think even from that standpoint, it's a very, very reasonable argument. However, If the person passed away in 2018 or 19, even the tax policy center is like, do you get to keep the money? (laughs) Giant shrug emoji from the IRS. (laughs) Like, it depends, maybe, like if they died earlier, but they had filed, but you were a dependent, you get the money, like that whole thing starts to come into play. But then like, if they hadn't filed their taxes, they didn't claim any dependents on there. Were you living in the same household? Like, there's all this other stuff that goes into it. And there are huge gaps is essentially what they're saying. And they make, I love this part, they make like no specific recommendations on what you should do with the money. Yeah. So <laughs> in that regard, if somebody, if, if there's money in my bank account that I was not expecting and then someone's saying you should give it back, but they have no idea what the actual rules are or what they would do with the money if I gave it back to them. Like if someone was like, this is for this specific three-legged dog or this whatever like to help some kind of thing i'd be like all right i know what that money's going towards you're gonna put it to better use than i am i'm not confident that the government is gonna put this money to better use than i would put it to yeah right i i'm i'm fully agree with that especially because like what what exactly is the government doing with all of the money now like i we just came up with two trillion dollars now 2.5 trillion dollars or whatever right and uh (sighs) I totally lost my point because I was so angry and mad and upsided, upsided. You know what? (laughs) That's okay, because I have another proposition. Uh, Yes. Oh, please. You keep the money. 
if from the whatever dead person in your family got the stimulus check, but you have to spend it on something they would have spent money on. So if it's grandpa, it would be a jitterbug, a copy of Reader's Digest, <laughs> a BB a gun, right? right. <laughs> something that they would have bought with that money. Yeah, yeah. butterscotch. <laughs> yes, Werther's originals. Werther's originals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Teeth. Anything that they would have spent money on, that's what you need to spend money on. So you stimulize the economy, but you stimulize it in the way that they would have stimulized it. I think that's a beautiful way to bring back what Grandpa wanted. He wouldn't have wanted to spend the money on this, so this is what I'm going to do. Or a Hummel. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents... News it or lose it. Drop the subject, Allie and James. It's news it or lose it time. I've got three headlines. And James, you've got one little clinky do. Clinky do. Ooh. That was very clinky. And you. you will make three decisions whether to news or lose the following stories. Here's your first headline. Cancel culture might be rampant, but reboot culture is just as rampant. And oh. Queer as Folk is reuniting. Oh, man. Yeah, because I want to complain about it. Okay. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safe space to do that, James. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yeah, good. Headline number two. There's a new trend in gardening. Grow it in a bag. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, because this article is very confusing. It's just grow it in a bag, basically. That's it. Yeah, everyone's growing things in paper bags because no one has yards. Yeah, we did that in like third grade. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, maybe it's a Nebraska thing. I don't know. This is not new. Okay. Headline number three: Reporter caught wearing suit sans pants on Good Morning America. Totally. I saw part of this and I love it. We got to talk about it. It's hysterical because it is exactly what everyone wants to do or has done, but just didn't get caught on, you know, the largest morning show in the world. When my wife, (laughs) you're right. It really does. The platform does matter. The fact that I'm not wearing pants right now really matters to nobody. There's no change. It's not like I'm going to make the news for not wearing pants right now. I haven't worn pants in a month, but When you wear no pants on a national TV show that is a top-rated national morning TV show, of course, people are going to talk about it. Work attire for Zoom conferences during self-isolation, it's been a hot topic. But most of us would think that if you're going to appear on live TV, you would at least put on some pants. Unfortunately, that was not the case for Will Reeve, an ABC reporter, and he's the son of Christopher Reeve, the actor. Yes, how about that? He appeared on Good Morning America wearing a blazer, a button-down shirt, and he did not realize that the frame of the shot was covering his legs. He thought it was just kind of a waist-up situation, and you can see his bare legs at the bottom. (laughs) And, I mean, from what you can tell, you don't even know if the guys were in underwear. I mean, it's just... Right. It's just just collared shirt, shirt, blazer, and legs. That's crazy. Oh, my God. I love it. Because we've all been there, right? We all... Listen... You've been there. I have. I actually just did before the show this morning. I was on a local television station, and I was running around like a crazy person, even though I've 
been up since 4.30, but don't ask why. Oh but God. I just, I was like running around like a crazy person trying to put everything on so I could look good to be on TV because it's very different than broadcasting radio, right? You can be like, whatever, I'm in my pajamas. But when you got to be on TV, you got to look good. So I'm running around, I'm throwing on the jacket, I'm doing all of this stuff. And then I sat down with no pants. Yeah. And I was like, nope, nope, not going to risk it. So I ran, put pants on, I ran back in the room, and then like 30 seconds later, they were like, go. Like, ah! I will, I will admit something on the airwaves right now. Uh-huh, uh-oh. Do you recall the first Instagram Live video that you and I did where you had to pick out the outfit that I was going to wear for the day? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh-huh. I was not wearing pants in that. Oh. And there is a, <laughs> there's like a ah. half second. Really? Where I, because my... I don't know how, why I didn't even think about this. I did the Instagram live and my closet is a mirrored closet. Like the, the oh, sliding doors are all uh-huh. mirrors. So I turned the camera around to look at the closet and you can see for a split second in the mirror, you can see me standing there with no pants, <laughs> no pants on. Um, okay. So those things get archived. No. So I'm going to dig them out. Yeah. And we'll share with you audience. That'll be great. And everyone oh, can then God. screen capture I it. We'll I felt like I was it. safe because it's gone. No, nothing's oh. ever gone digitally. Allie, you know, uh, I want the right to be forgotten. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to queer as folk. The cast is reuniting to raise money for LGBTQ centers, which is of course a great cause. Okay. fine. I know queer as folk. I would imagine you watched. I did not watch it. I, I mean, obviously, I wanted something a little more lestastic. I was watching Gia and and Foxfire and uh-huh. uh, Better Than Chocolate and all those movies at that time. But it was virtual. It, the L huh? Word came out not too long after, though, right? Like, wasn't no, no. there some Queer's Folk and then L Word overlap? I think there was slight overlap. Like, like uh, a year Queer's or Folk two. was on from 2000 to 2005. And I can't remember when the L Word started, but... I would imagine that there might be a little bit of overlap. There's yeah. a virtual reunion with the cast. Um, it's planned for May 1st, so it's going to be on Saturday. The May Day Home Stay Gay Play event, which seems <laughs> really overwritten. <laughs> what? We dab doop dab dee Someone went to Rhyme Zone and was like, what rhymes with May? Just put all of it in the title. Just um, May Day, cray cray, eat, eat. Pray, pray. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the same organization. Uh, so it's a, it's a fundraiser for Centerlink, which is the same organization that Glad is raising money for during their Together in Pride. You are not alone celebration, yeah. and it's a it's a coalition of more than 250 LGBTQ community centers. So they're going to be getting together on a virtual hang, and they're going to be raising money. Uh, oh, fr- oh, it is Friday. Okay, Friday at 11 a.m. Excuse me. That's going to be on YouTube. So if you want to kind of get a throwback and and celebrate some nostalgia and also raise money for a good cause could be a cool thing to be a part of. Okay. All right. That that part I'm cool with. I thought it was going to be like they're rebooting it again and, yeah, and no. all of that that whole thing. No, no, no. All right. I'm cool. We're raising money for do-gooders and all that jazz. Okay. I'm totally in. Good job. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, yes. I, a reboot, a formal reboot, I would not support either. Uh, there's way too many reboots out there we don't need anymore. When we get back, more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons. And before we get out of this hour, we wanted to kind of bring something to the forefront that I feel like people aren't really talking about enough. And I mean, when when we think of shelter in place and spending more time at home, it is a privilege to be able to spend time in your home and actually 
have a home or have a, a positive environment within your home. And there are a lot of people right now who are in bad situations where, you know, they're victims of domestic violence or they are uh, witnesses to domestic violence, whether that's toward uh, whether it's spousal or whether it's child abuse. And I think it's important to kind of point out that this is happening. And in fact, because of the stay at home orders, it is happening more. Yeah, there's the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and the Everytown for Gun Safety Groups are are kind of combined forces because gun violence and domestic violence do go hand in hand. They're actually calling on Congress to include greater protections and resources for domestic violence victims in the next uh, coronavirus relief bill. The previous bill, the, the CARES Act, did have $45 million specifically de- designated um, for programs that provide emergency housing and shelter to domestic violence victims. Um, but, you know, what, what's really difficult to understand here is that we know for a, a proven fact for a very long time that domestic violence is, is highly underreported and it's very difficult to track. So it's hard to give you know, sort of specific statistics about exactly the increase in, in domestic violence incidences and gun violence incidences since quarantine has started. But we do know that they're happening anecdotally by local hotlines um, are apparently over are being overwhelmed right now. Um, and these are typically mm. the first stop for for survivors uh, of domestic violence uh, or individuals who are experiencing that. And and they're being overwhelmed right now, which is why they're asking for additional re- resources from um, from Congress. Yes, and I know this is a couple minutes too late, but I just wanted to issue, I guess, a little trigger warning if this is sensitive subject matter to you. Um, I know this stuff isn't easy to talk about, but especially with cases of, say, child abuse, and you you mentioned things being underreported. Absolutely, things are always underreported in this field. And now that some of these kids are home more often, they're not around the people who even would be reporting in these situations, which is other adults, teachers, Mm -hmm. um, daycare uh, workers. I mean, people that are adults in their lives that are, that might be positive role models coaches. I mean, they are the ones often who, I mean, teachers are the ones who are mandated reporters. So they're able to report these things, but you know, it is tough to track, but teachers are some of the people who are more able to track this than others because they see these kids every day. And then to not have those kids be around those those figures and to basically be in the home where they're too afraid to report or they don't even know that they can or they don't even understand what's going on. Um, it's a whole other level. And I know just from my wife working in the mental health field, she's definitely seeing it firsthand. And it, I mean, it's rough. There's And there's not enough resources like you were saying for you know where to put these people who are being abused or where to put these kids i mean Mm. their shelters are being completely overwhelmed the hotlines are totally flooded and you have to think about the fact that these shelters are already overwhelmed and now they have to adhere to social distancing i mean it's just crazy it is crazy and i think the sort of the the take a home take a home i think the take home message here is is you know if you are in a particular situation um now might not be the time to act upon that um while you're listening right. to this it might not be safe for you to do so when it is safe for you to do so you please do act and take advantage of these resources and don't let covid-19 
stop you from this. There are ways to shelter and protect you while also keeping you safe from the disease. Uh, 1-800-799-SAFE is the National Domestic Violence Hotline as well for our um, uh Channel Q listeners are LGBTQ folk. There are specific resources available um, if you are in a crisis situation and or if you're feeling um, suicidal because of your situation. Um, the Trevor Project Lifeline is 1-866-488-7386 or you can text START to 678-678, which is often a... Uh, um, a safer route to, to do that digitally. So resources are there. You can get help. Um, and it is important to continue to talk about this conversation as we continue quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely important to continue the conversation more. Drop the subject. We'll be back right after this. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, something that we've teased in the show today, we must get to now. It is gaying up a throwback movie. This is Drop the Subject with <laughs> Allie and James Simmons. And we have done something similar to this before. Mm-hmm. Around Christmas time, we made Christmas movies gay. And it ended with somebody Somebody uh, pointed this out already on our Instagram. It resulted in an actual acted out play a Hallmark, ver- a Hallmark version uh, of while you were sleeping with someone of the same sex. Oh, oh my! Hello. Yeah, that was the movie title that we settled on, uh-huh. and it and it is a Christmas movie. And we ended up talking to one of the showrunners or the uh, higher ups at at Hallmark, at Hallmark, I believe it was nice. Hallmark or Lifetime, and we ended up doing a little rendition of it. And he listened and said he loved it. So oh. you never know what's going to happen when you get creative <laughs> with movie titles. And you it's might be watching trope. a lot of yeah uh, throwbacks right now, maybe comfort films, a league of their own, things like that. That you're like, you know what? It's time for Clueless. It's time for Sister Act. It's time uh, for those old throwbacks. Yes. So we figured it would be a good opportunity for you to gay up something that you've been streaming. And, you know, examples being Bear Back to the Future, um, you know, Bend It for Beckham, <laughs> Sisterhood of the Traveling Pantsuits. There were some other submissions for that that we cannot say on the air. Don't. But, um, but what are some of the responses? Uh, I mean, I just have several in front of me from... Uh-huh. Uh, for example, Mr. Do- Mr. Dr. Dynamite said Avengers rear end game. Oh, very good. Which Love is a it. nice one. Uh-huh. Instead of Friday, it's just by day, which is not super <laughs> creative, but I'll take it. But it's there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We've also gotten, this is a TV show submission, United States of Tarot. Wait, isn't that a show? No, Tara. U- U.S. of Terra, yeah, but yeah, tarot. Got it, got it, Terra. Uh-huh, very good. Is a definitely a gate-up version of that. Um, million Dollar Gaby. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do that with like some several sort of just throw gay in there, like Bill Nye the Science Gay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, you can just like throw gay in there. Gotta, gotta see where it works. Similarly, you can just throw the C word anywhere in there, too. A walk to remember, but you change that W and you've got a gate up oh, title right there. Hey, yeah, you can, Whoa. Then, I mean, if we're going to do that, then then there's all kinds of ones that we can do that we probably can't say on air. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there is. Um, I do remember, recall uh, 
I don't know if you were this way in college, but for some reason when in college, we decided that we were going to be really into um, soap operas, I guess. Like, who else has time in the middle of the day? But like people who stay at home during the day, uh, people who retire and college kids, I guess. So we were really into um, the gaze of our lives. And ah, at the yeah. time, we thought that was the funniest thing we had ever come up with, right? Like we were the first <laughs> first people yeah. to, to come up with that. I also, um, I love um, Guys Wide Open. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. That's, that's a quite a throwback film. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Another throwback people might be watching is Hocus Pocus, but in this case, it's Hocus Pokem. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I feel like we're flirting with some FCC sort of like issues here because we're on the radio. But I think you can take, Allie, I think you can take some throwback movies. And when you have the right mindset, they just sort of kind of sound gay anyway. Like, big. Or Grease. <laughs> I, one of my favorites is... 13 going on 30. It just needs... Oh, I see. With just uh the... uh, It just ah. needs like a colon afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like 13 going on 30. Every A colon would definitely make it... Would make it every gay's fantasy. You know, like, you know, something like that. Or like, we all... All the gays love Bring It On. Just because we always... Mm. We always wanted to be, you know, in the dance routines and like Solange and, you know, Kirsten, whatever. They're great. But then also you just totally change. You just say it differently. Bring it on. Yeah. Oh. Bring it on. Oh. Then, then you've just gated up. Or just putting the word butt in front of things like Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> butt Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> Can I say that? I don't... <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. Don't. Damn it. Um, but you know what we can say? She's all hat. That's for all the fedora wearing. Oh, for all the very good. See, we can gay it up without being sexual. Very, very, mm. very good. Allie. Oh, it's how mice pretty in men. I don't know if we can say that one. What? How how pretty woman of you? Very pretty woman. Oh. Uh, you've got hate mail. Oh, that's a sad one. <laughs> also, see, I'm sort of loving these ones that didn't. You didn't know they were gay titles until you were like, "That's a gay title." Like. The Princess Diaries. Oh, A movie yeah. about my life? Hello. Or The Queen? <laughs> the Queen. They're at more apropos, yes, of course. Yes. Okay, well, if you have any more submissions, we've gotten a lot of great ones, but it's important. This is the stuff that matters, okay? It's the stuff that keeps us sane. Correct. So if you have time, if you have time to watch all these movies, you definitely have time to gay them up. So continue to send in your submissions to DTS Show on our Instagram. It's posted up on our story, and you can just kind of type in. It's posted as a question, so you can just type in your movie title. We can read it on the air a little later. And it's also on Twitter at DTS Show. So continue to interact with us. And in the meantime, when we get back, we will embark on our Wednesday staple, the Gay MA. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. James Simmons with your Allie Johnson on Drop the Subject. It is Wednesday, and that is when we do the Gay MA, which 
is uh you know our opportunity i'm i'm repping for the gay men listening here it is our opportunity to ask our lesbian sister folk things that we may or may not know assumptions we may have stereotypes we want to eliminate or confirm you know whatever that's the whole point of this is to be an open safe space for us to ask the questions that we want to ask are you are you calmed? Have you been drinking your chamomile tea, Allie? Are you ready mm, for this question? No, but I am breathing in a slew of essential oils that my wife has purchased from Amazon and definitely overpaid for. So I've got sandalwood in my nostrils and I'm ready to answer any <laughs> game a question you can throw at me. Oh, lovely then. Very good. Although I don't think this one's going to get too, too intense, but I, it's very interesting to me. Um... <laughs> Friends, I used to say that all the time. This is just what's so interesting to me. It's just so interesting. Uh, uh, This is so interesting to me. Uh, What is just so interesting to me is there are often very stereotypical roles played by women or men in heterosexual wedding situations. A la Bridezilla, a groom who's checked out and doesn't uh, care or the groom who only cares about the bachelor party or things like that. There's the domineering mother-in-law who's paying for it, all of those things. And then you have like the bridezilla who just like, all she cares about is her wedding. And it's like the day, only day I've been living for my entire life and that whole thing. So in a lesbian couple, Allie, and I guess in your situation in particular, did those dumb, stupid, reinforced by Hollywood, mostly stereotypes, exist in your wedding relationship? Was there a bridezilla? Well, Jennifer Lopez was my wedding planner. <laughs> well, there, there, I mean, problem solved. Is, so, next time you get married, by the way, invite me, because that means Matthew McConaughey will be around. Yeah, and you know what? They were up to some shenanigans when we were venue shopping, but uh, that's yeah, to be expected. As Jennifer Lopez put it, those who can't wed plan, and she ended up finding someone, which was great. But uh, no, yeah. we actually did not have a wedding planner, but... Your question is an interesting one, and I did have a sort of stepmom, like mother-in-law tension as far as like, Mm. I'm marrying your daughter and that whole kind of thing, and it's sort Uh of been figured out, you know, I can tell that she likes me a little more than she did, but um, so that was kind of hanging in the distance, but... As far as gender roles, I fell right into the male gender role. Well, while my wife was planning everything and I was like, yeah, it looks good. It was like, cool. what do you want to do for flowers? And I was like, I like red. And she's like, no, why would we do that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I like red. Yeah. So I was like, well, this looks pretty. And she's like, no, it's a like we would be getting married at 5 p.m. And the weather in this venue would look crazy at that time. Like she was there was all these things that she thought about that I didn't think about. So it was kind of me like Uh dipping my toe in with an opinion and then that opinion being shot down and then being like, Oh, Oh, all right. Um, uh, where now were you were you like offended by that like did you realize that you ended up actually caring a little bit more than you thought or when Katie was just like nope we're not doing red flowers you were like okay uh, no there were a couple of tiffs where I was like no I get an opinion too and this is like when it came to food 
that's where I was uh, like, I my thing is that I I want the music to be good and I want the food to be good. So I handled uh, those aspects of it. Uh, it ended up kind of working itself out because the venue that we chose ended up having like a caterer that came with it. Um, but we served oh, mini nice. tacos, so I, I guess that's probably. I mean, you cannot complain about yeah, tacos. even a bad taco is still a great taco. But uh, so there were a couple moments where I was like, come on. But I also tried to surprise my wife with something that kind of didn't really turn out the way I expected it. I had chosen a jumpsuit. I was going to do a jumpsuit for my uh, like a white bridal jumpsuit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was was jumpsuit shopping and I had my eye on one. And then I went to I, I actually ended up going bridesmaid dress shopping with my bridesmaids and they were having like a sale on so they were having like a trunk sale or something and everyone's like oh my god you have to try on some dresses for the trunk sale and i was like all right i guess i'll try some on and my mom was there so she was kind of my mom definitely fit into that stereotypical my my daughter's getting married she kind of overstepped her bounds a couple of times but then st- she knew how to step back when she needed to but she was very excited and then i ended up trying on a dress that was amazing and it ended up being the dress that i got and I was like, oh, okay, uh, why don't we surprise Katie? And I'll, because she thought I was wearing a jumpsuit. I was like, I'm going to show up in a dress. It's going to be crazy. Her reaction is going to be crazy. And we ended up, it ended up being so much more trouble than it was worth. I had to drive and fly back up to the Bay Area to get it hemmed. And I had to make up Whoa. lies about why I was doing that and where I was going. And like, <laughs> it was so much. I had to, my, oh, my no. mom had to like pick me up around the corner from a Starbucks and take me to the, it was like insane. And then when and the day actually happened, we did those first look pictures and Katie was like uh, hey let's take pictures and I was like I'm wearing a dress and she was like right oh. like don't you see this right <laughs> she was like oh so you were spo- oh so it was supposed to be like a surprise I was like you know what so oh, was, no. I was trying really hard and then it ended up not being anything that was <laughs> worth it I was, but anyway I guess that's for the stories right it also rained on uh, our wedding day which is very rom-commy of us but um, maybe I will it is very rom but it's supposed to be good luck so that's that's a good it thing. is it's been sort of I don't know what it's been so far well <laughs> it's too early to tell <laughs> TBD drop the subject the new channel Q it's the gay MA it's gay MA time it's Allie Johnson and it's James Simmons and Oh boy, James learned a lot about my wedding festivities, and now I am going to ask you a question. Uh-oh. The tables turn now, and <laughs> I'm my... like nervous. No, no, it's it's actually nothing super personal. Okay, this is actually something I've been wondering about gay men for a very long time. Mm-hmm. When I drive through the streets of, say, West Hollywood or the Castro. <laughs> doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Sunday or a Friday night or a Tuesday morning. There are always <laughs> gay guys out there, martini in hand, body pump music, uh, you know, strapless t-shirts, just kind of hanging out uh-huh. and, and they have amazing bodies. And my question is, how do you have the energy to be doing that all the time? And how do all of these guys maintain their svelte figures when they're downing martinis all day (laughs) uh very good you bring up a lot of issues here ali um that are so of course my medical provider brain takes over here and i sort of first have to be like we probably shouldn't like drink every day i definitely don't (laughs) endorse that although uh there are some people who are doing that right now um And also someone who has had like some pretty massive body image issues. Let's actually tackle that one first. So 
There are an exorbitant amount of gay men who spend an exorbitant amount of time on their bodies. That's part of it. Some of there is sort of just a a time. Uh, what is it? Compounding interest aspect to the fact that a lot of gay men just spend a lot of time in the gym. They just they okay. really do. And, and so, is that like, also a thing of like I'm spending th- time in the gym and spending time in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> I think back in the day it used to be like spending time in the locker room. Um, okay. It's so now in the world of of apps. Um, you're starting, you know, I think there are some sort of bathhousey locker room sorts of situations that still kind of exist, but nowhere near the way they used to because of the advent of, of technology and the internet. So if you want the cruisy, sexy sort of thing, you can really, you can be in the locker room, but you're probably scrolling through your app anyway, looking for something. Right. So, so the, it's moot point. Okay. Yeah. But it's, this is much more about, because we have these sort of unfortunately really high standards of what is considered attractive uh, in general in the in the community however there is a lot of recent backlash isn't the right word but there's a big big movement against that because it's so unhealthy against this i have to be white and sort of straight right. presenting and kind of clean cut and have abs and have a cute booty and dress in a certain way and whatever to be this like perfect gay and there's there is a lot of of movement right now that sort of body positive positivity, if you will, but also like everyone just sort of embracing like this is where I am and I'm not going to spend three hours a night every single night in the gym just to look like, uh, you know, Chad. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not, it's, it's I'm not Chad. Do that. that makes a lot of sense because I've. I've gone to these bars and been like, how is everyone maintaining this? It must be stressful. And the fact that there is pressure to look like that completely makes sense to me. And it must be, I mean, I I think of just the the fact of being a woman and all the body issues, the body image issues that women have and women face. And I think that it doesn't get talked about a lot. Some of the body image issues that a lot of gay men, I mean, everybody experiences it to a degree, but I think that, you make a great point about I, th- I think that a lot of gay men probably feel like they do have to look a certain way and act a certain way, which is kind of it's it completely goes against the fact of being yourself and being out and just kind of living your truth. Right. But then you have to live right. your truth in this certain way in order to be, quote unquote, desirable in the community. It's I think that w- lesbians kind of experience that in terms of women who are too feminine or really feminine and this kind of like, well, you're not a real lesbian. Like I've walked into a, oh, a lesbian wow. bar before with my, I mean, she was my girlfriend at the time and we both present sort of straight, right? Um, uh-huh. Until I open my mouth, but <laughs> we were at a bar and we were sitting there and we were getting death stares from these butch women. And uh, then we eventually so like kissed or something and they were like, oh, you girls are gay. Like, hey, how's it going? And it was like, what do you do? Like, do I... I have to present a certain way in order to be allowed in here. Like it's crazy uh-huh. how we both experience that stigma in different ways. In, like, in what very are we different doing? ways. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I, I do, I've wrestled with that for a really long time because it's like, I, 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 you know, 
was uh, I'm a fat biracial kid growing up in Nebraska. Like I wanted nothing more to the, than to have like a queer community around me. And as I'm sort of aging, I'm also more kind of starting to identify more as kind of queer than I am just like gay male. And some of it is because of this. Some right. of it is because that I, I'm never going to fit that. Even when I was thinner and modeling, I never had a six pack of abs. I'm still brown. Like I'm still kind of soft in most places. Like this is just who I am. And there's these, I think all of society has done it, but we sort of really, really bring this in in the, in the gay male community. And it's like, you have to have abs and all that stuff. And what I'm loving right now is that it's, it's really the kids who are leading this charge. It is, I am 41. It is really the like 20 somethings right now who are like, whatever, I'm gonna do me and I'm hot and I'm fierce and like whatever. And so you can have that fun, playful, like I'm still out drinking my martini on a Wednesday morning and I'm fierce and playful and I might be 300 pounds. And guess what? There's someone out there who thinks I'm attractive, but most importantly, I think I'm attractive. And that's really all that matters. Boom. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. TikTok. Are you for it or against it? I... (laughs) Off the subject with uh, two people who are over 30, obviously, because I downloaded TikTok and I set up my username and then I went to my home screen and mm-hmm. then I looked and I said, I, I don't. <laughs> and then I just set it down and walked away. Welcome to the party, Allie. It's your first taste of getting old. Uh, yeah, I, you know how I know I'm getting old. I had a conversation with my other friend who's in her mid thirties about how we don't understand TikTok, And then she uh-huh. said she made a TikTok and that she put it up and she was like, well, I was able to make my first video and then I watched it and it was like her slowly pouring coffee. It was like awful. <laughs> And I, and I, I was I, like, we are old. We're old. Cause you know, that's, that's also one of the first signs is when you start talking about being old. Like that's how, like, that's when you know you're old, when you're like, oh, I'm so old. Like that's yeah. the first thing. Anyway. Yeah. So TikTok is a thing and people are kind of like on every other social media platform, right? Allie, there people are like getting in trouble on this platform. Well, I mean, it, it, we've talked about this before. Cancel culture is stronger than ever, which I was kind of disappointed about because and, and not that the person who said this racist crap is excused for their behavior by any stretch, but I'm saying like, just separate from this specific instance, we've talked about how perhaps this entire pandemic experience was going to make people kind of tone it down a little bit in the sense of like, as soon as you do anything wrong, you're canceled. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You're erased and that there's no apology that can possibly make up for it. Maybe we would come out of this and be like, all right, let's all just try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, you know, I I kind of liked that idea, but then, Uh, but then when, (laughs) When people on TikTok, and this is not the first person who has said something racist or said the N-word. Of course, we talked about Kyle Larson just two weeks ago. I mean, this happens all the time. Oh, We've talked about God. it happening in the video game world all the time. And apparently, as soon as someone becomes prominent on TikTok, there is a group of sleuths who will go and dig into your past and find anything that can degrade you or destroy your reputation. And in this specific case, we're talking about a girl... I mean, I say a girl because she looks like she's probably 17 at most. And her name is, uh, her handle is at Emu Lou or Emma Lou. Emma Lou, maybe? Emma Lou, whatever. She makes all these videos and they're very funny. But then somebody uncovered a video of her 
yelling the L word out of a car window. Ah, yeah, yeah. And not great, right? But I wanted to play her apology and then play Carl Lar- L- Kyle Larson's apology, the guy who accidentally <laughs> said the N-word when he was doing that NASCAR race, and his apology. I just wanted to... And that's a grown-ass man. Correct. Right. Uh, we, should, we should rename this segment in the Public people eye. using the N-word. Yeah, because that's how much it happens. It's shocking. Yeah. So this is MLU's apology, or Emma So U. many people, a part of the black community, do not forgive me for the violent, disgusting, ignorant language that once came out of my mouth. And they don't have to forgive me, and they shouldn't, and it's justifiable and valid. I was wrong and ignorant and obnoxious and stupid, but if I cannot sit here and believe that I'm a good person and I change and I deserve love, I will literally break in half. This has become more about instilling fear in people and canceling people for the drama and the clout rather than educating and letting people know why it's wrong for non-black people to use the N-word and the implications behind it. This isn't about listening to black people's experiences or emotions when white people say the N-word and use violent, gross language. This has become about drama and having a sense of moral superiority. My parents... Okay, so thoughts on that before we I listen to mean, Kyle. I mean, wow. Because at first when she was like, this is not about listening to black people's emotions about this. I was yeah, like, I was wait, like, wait, wait, what? where is she going? And then <laughs> she's like, going? where are you going with this? It's it's become about other, you know, other people just trying to cancel people. And I'm like, oh, she's trying to say, no, this is a mo- like a teachable moment sort of thing. And she's like, I don't need to be forgiven for this. I'm totally fine if I'm like canceled. And you tend to like you tend to believe her a little bit and right. you tend okay. to sort of be like okay I, 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 again we need to talk about this about what you said and what you did but like literally i'm looking at her tiktok right now and like every single post for the last week is her being like yep cancel me i'm an idiot versus Kyle Larson who, who said yeah i just want to say i'm sorry um you know last night i made a mistake and said the word that should never ever be said and um you know, there's no excuse for that you know i wasn't raised that way you know okay. it's just an awful thing to say and i feel very sorry for my family my friends my partners the nascar community and especially the african-american community uh, okay know? yeah yeah so still so. i mean as somebody who's mm-hmm. probably about 17 still has a, a leg up against this guy uh, but right, this opinion. is how we're, we're going. Oh, yeah, we're, we're in, in our new segment, white people using the N word. We're going to base everyone's <laughs> apology against Kyle Larson's, Kyle Larson's, which is complete garbage. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Events are getting canceled. People are getting canceled. Primaries are getting canceled. And no. former Democratic candidates are suing about it. It's crazy, crazy times. Let's get into it. This is Drop the President. <laughs> President. Drop the subject must keep you updated on what is going on in the 2020 election. Andrew Yang has announced that he will sue over New York's shutdown of the presidential primary because he believes that axing the primary would deny voters due process and hurt down ballot candidates. Um, what are you doing, Andrew Yangy? What are you, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> hey there, boo-boo. I'm not sure if you've heard there's like a th- thing going on right now Mm. and so um uh maybe we should just not get large groups of people together in small spaces just just you know shot in the dark 
Just yeah, and what, what's the benefit of suing at this point? You're not running any longer. You've dropped out. You're you're hanging out. I think he already got a job on CNN. He's just going to not wear a tie. He's probably one of those guys who's not been, hasn't been wearing pants for a long time. Like, you're sitting pretty, Yang. It's all right. Just chill out. Yeah. And then, on the other hand, we've got a guy by the name of Justin Amash who has announced that he is... For all intents and purposes, running for president, or at least he is launching a, like his specific words, he is launching an exploratory committee to seek the libertarian nomination for president. Oh boy. I mean, he, he goes on to say on Twitter, by the way, which is where all candidate news should come from forever, apparently. According to Donald Trump. Yes. All uh, politics have moved over to Twitter, to which Twitter, is right. just a great yeah, representation of where we're at in the it, world. Isn't it? Yeah. But his official statement on the surface sounds OK. Maybe this election is too important for Donald Trump or Joe Biden to be running for president. Um, OK, but they have the right to run like anyone else. Thank you. I'm so I was wondering, how does Justin Amash feel about Joe Biden's or Donald Trump's right to run for president? Okay, whatever. The answer to bad candidates is not to keep others off the ballot, but rather to give the people honest, practical, 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 and capable alternatives. Apparently, so, he says he's one of those. Okay, got it. When when I read this, I was like, who the F is this guy? Who is Justin Amash? Upon doing a little bit of Googling, he is a, he was a pretty conservative Republican senator or representative and he then changed to an independent and then which was i believe last year and then this month he changed his party affiliation to libertarian so oh, yeah he's kind of all over the map mm. and i think there's an interesting connotation to the fact that he turned 40 last week Oh, he's having the midlife. He's having a moment. <laughs> and I think quarantine brain has affected Justin Amash as well. So you've got a trifecta here where you kind of didn't really know where you stood in the first place. You're all over the map. You, and you don't like Donald Trump. I, You're a Republican. You were a Republican who didn't like Donald Trump. Then the fact that we have all been in quarantine for over a month. Then the fact that he had just turned 40 years old. All of those things add up to, hey, we're a little less than six months away from the election. Why don't I jump in the race? Uh, just, oh, just a good idea. Just, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. Mm hmm. Are we, is it even six months? Are we even that? Is it like five? I mean, not, not, I'm not splitting hairs, but like less than maybe six months less from, than. from the, uh, yeah, math is hard for me. And like, what are you doing? And then running as the third party libertarian candidate, you just switched your party affiliation. Fine. We know that people have done that before. But honestly, we have seen the specific and direct consequences of third party candidates. As recent as, I don't know, 2016, when Gary Johnson, who was the last libertarian presidential nominee uh, and former governor of New Mexico, was on the ballot in every state, let me remind you, and won a little over 3% of the national vote. Now, he and Jill Stein took maybe an unnecessarily large amount of the heat for 
Donald Trump being elected president. They are not solely responsible for that. There is a multifactorial nature that went into Donald Trump becoming president. So I'm not one of those electoral people. Electoral college. Uh, right. <laughs> the, the massive burden of which is the electoral college. Exactly. But I'm not one of those people who's like, let's bash third party candidates for running. Listen, I, I, we, I don't like our, our simply bipartisan system. I don't like having just two parties necessarily, but we have to live in our reality, sort of like coronavirus. Whether you like it or not, this virus is infectious and it kills people. Whether you like it or not, we have two parties. And right now, Justin Amash is not going to be some guy who's going to come be everyone's savior. And all of a sudden, we're going to have 45% of the country voting for a third party candidate. It's not going to happen. And though it remains to be seen who he could hurt, my guess is that he would actually end up hurting Joe Biden if he really runs. So I, th- I think that's exactly it. I think that he he knows that he's not gonna, going to win, but he thinks, oh, okay, if I throw my hat in the ring, there may be enough people that would vote for me over Donald Trump. So people that are a little more conservative um, that have followed me and my politics through Michigan and beyond and, and to the House of Representatives where they would, you know, they would kind of vote for me over him and maybe that would split the vote enough to make it so that Donald Trump wouldn't get elected. But uh, Twitter, which we've said is the place to go for all political views, they completely disagree and say that this is just going to help Donald Trump actually win the election. And I do think you're right, James. I think that it would be more harmful for Biden than for Trump. Yeah, I I think so so too, regardless of of what he thinks. Either way, this is... um, I I mean, he got... Six and a half minutes of airtime out of us, Allie. <laughs> oh, damn it. Then we've all lost. Dang it. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. I believe that children are our future. Do you? That's the question we're about to answer here on Drop the Subject with Allie and James Simmons. There are many, well many. Let them lead the <laughs> waiting. way. Sorry, it took, I was a little slow on the uptake this morning. <laughs> it's all right. Blame it on the dissertation. Don't. Um, there are all kinds of stories floating around of like kids being the ray of sunshine in our dark lives and they're doing, they're putting rainbows and sidewalk chalk and they're, you know, putting little, I saw there's these kids that are putting out little mini doors, like little uh, popsicle stick made doors at the base of all the big trees in our neighborhoods, like little fairy doors. I mean, the children (laughs) and their magic is just solving all the world's problems. Oh, that's super cute, right? And there is a story that I thought we should uh, we should cover here on Drop the Subject because there's a kid, a six-year-old kid, who has made the news for setting up a joke stand, not a lemonade stand, a joke stand cute. in British Columbia. In, yeah, yeah, it's cute. And he, his name is, this is such a new age name, Calligan. His name oh, is Calligan. Of course it is. Ay, ay, ay. And uh, he is making some headlines for this joke stand. And just, uh, I believe they are free. I don't think it's like a five cents for lemonade, <laughs> Lucy Peanuts situation. You can Venmo me for my joke. I mean, these are the, these, these kids are our future and they are little business people. I mean, they there sure are kids are. that are seven years old that are making way more money than I'm making. Love it. But... This these are just a sample of some of the jokes that this kid is telling. Tell me what you think of this. Uh huh. What is red, white, and blue? What? A sad candy cane. Okay. So the joke here is, what is red, <laughs> white, and blue? Uh huh. And his answer is a sad candy cane. Now, if these jokes are meant to make us feel better, I I do appreciate this kid's writing his own material. (laughs) 
<laughs> but if, if he gave me that punchline, I don't know how I would react to his face. I'd be like, oh, give uh, me like, lemonade. <laughs> you're like, that was that of all of the jokes you could have told, kid. That was one of them. Also, the <laughs> blank stare that he's giving to the camera after the punchline. I mean, this kid's he's, 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 he's more of an opener. I mean, uh, but even though, yeah. Hey, Allie. What? How do you make holy water? Oh God, is this a gay joke? I can't wait. How? You boil the hell out of it. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right, kid. One point for James. No, zero points for Callaghan. I don't think you. (laughs) Let's do this, kid. Let's do this. All right, let's see. He's thinking of another one. What is black, white, and red? A penguin that's embarrassed. Okay. Oh, okay. So he used penguins. All right, kid. Fine. You get uh, whatever. You Come always on, get a point Show for penguins. Up. You always get a point for penguins. Um, listen, uh, did you know, Allie, <laughs> uh-huh. the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? What? No, I didn't know that. They were cooked in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would pay. I would pay five cents for that joke. Thank you, and I would give you some lemonade. So thank take you. That, See, kid. that's a, that's a yeah, that's a twofer, kid. Uh-huh. So this yeah. kid has to take some notes. And I don't. I mean, would you pay even for a price of free? Would you be happy that you stop by this joke stand? Uh, yeah, I would because it's okay. super super cute. I think until I lear- would learn that his name is Calligan, and then. I would sort of like, walk away. I would, I mean, not from him. It's not his fault. He didn't give himself this name, but I, I would take umbrage with his parents. All right, let's listen to one more. What's the pirate's favorite letter? Uh. Okay, well, now he's stealing jokes. So that's just <laughs> plagiarism. I, I think that there should be another kid setting up an edgy joke stand next to him. That's just like, really, I mean, you got to know your audience. You got to be able to cater your jokes to the people that are that are driving by. I don't know what their sense of humor is like in British Columbia, but nice try, Callaghan. I think it's great that you're trying to uh, uplift the community with your jokes. If you need some advice, just go to James. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. Uh-huh. It's impossible to put down. No! I'll give you four cents. Four cents. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. Drop the subject on the new Channel Q. James... Q Simmons. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't done that yet, Allie Johnson. Uh, and James, uh, James Q on Channel Q. Listen, it is time for the round two of News It or the Losing It. Uh, Allie has a clinger dinger. Ah, uh, very good today. And I have three headlines. Allie is going to decide if we news them and talk about them or lose them. Are you ready? Excellent. Tunisia recognizes its first same sex marriage, kinda. I will news it. The- you will news it. Headline number two. Matt Bomber reacts to viral memes suggesting he looks like uh, every single other Ryan Murphy leading man. I did. I did see this picture. Yes, I'll news it. Because <laughs> it's kind of hysterical. It is true. Uh, hold on. Pence forgoes a face mask at Mayo Clinic, appearing to violate policy. Oh, thank you so much, Joe Biden. I'm going to lose you. 
Thank you, thank you so much, thank Mike Pence. Thank you so much. You can go now. Uh, yeah, he's kind of an idiot. Basically, he's like, I get tested all the time, so why should I wear a mask? That's not how science works. Um, all right, so Tunisia. I haven't talked about Tunisia in far too long, so let's dive uh, in. Hello, let's get there. Uh, Tunisia is a Northern African country, and being queer, gay, etc. in Tunisia is technically illegal. Uh, and there are some unfortunate things that happen to gay folks in that country. Um, I sort of want to make it clear, by the way, not all African countries are the same, by the way, but Tunisia just happens to be one of those places where it's not a really great place to be gay. Uh, you can be punished uh, by being in prison for a very long time. You get this stamp on your birth certificate that like, um, like, yeah, like tracks you the rest of your <gasps> life. It's really, what? yeah, they sort of treat it like being a sex offender. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Oh, my God. However, it's very interesting that this queer rights group in Tunisia called Shams reports that federal courts have recognized a marriage between two men, one a Tunisian citizen and the other a French citizen. The pair married in France, and upon returning to Tunisia, courts added the name of the citizen's spouse to his birth certificate, which is a small but very important step in bringing marriage equality to that country. How about that? Okay, so you you go get married somewhere else and you come back, they're chill with that? I, I mean, I feel like the person who saw their birth cert, you know, like mm-hmm. registered them when they came back to the country was probably chill with that. And then somebody got a hold of this information, right? Like, I don't think it's a big, it's like a huge thing, but they're... Uh, you know, Shams, the Shams organization was saying that it shows that Tunisia will not be able to resist the natural course of history in the world. It will also have consequences in terms of the law. So that's kind of uh, sometimes you got to go in the uh, sideways to get to where you want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like when you think uh, about things like that, because it's almost like somebody who's so stubborn to move forward into the future like somebody who's like no ipads no and it's like everyone's been using ipads for like forever now like get over it (laughs) it's totally fine it's way easier and and you have all these reasons that are logical that are being presented and it's like no this is the way this is the way that i know and this is the way it should be and when does that transition finally happen i mean being stubborn and and having that notion that you are correct and you cannot be proven wrong, it can really set you basically in a time capsule. Yep, it really can. And those things are often, you know, they're, of course, complicated by politics and religion and culture and yeah. history and all of those things that happen, and in, in, in particularly in Muslim-majority uh, countries like Tunisia. So uh, good on them, though. Good job. Baby okay. step, baby step. Baby steps, yeah. So Matt Bomber on Wednesday responded to a viral meme featuring a lineup of white guys. Cheyenne Jackson, Finn Whitrock, Uh Max Greenfield, and Wes Bentley, along with Ryan Bomber, all have been cast as leading men in Ryan Murphy productions. And we love Ryan Murphy for Pose and for um, The American Candidate and American Horror Story and like all that stuff, right? Or The Candidate. Well, someone posted this picture and was like, uh, Ryan Murphy certainly has a type, right? Like, uh, and so, or I guess the tweet said, I could not name one of these men if someone put a gun to my head. <laughs> it's true because I saw that and you name those guys. I can't even picture them in my head. But then when I look at the tweet, I see them and I'm like, oh yeah, those guys. And oh I, yeah, that guy. That's all of them are the guy that you go, what was that guy in? That guy uh-huh. was in something else. Was he in? And they're all, they're all dark haired. They all have blue eyes. 
They all have square jaws. Yeah, they're they all, all have, like, like very chiseled teeth. and yes. Uh huh. They're like all white eyes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, uh, but Bomber, I thought I thought this was pretty good. Uh, Matt Bomber wrote back, I love all of these men and their unique talents, but if you're going to line us up and objectify us every few months, like Ryan Murphy's version of a Hitchcock blonde, then I've got dibs on Grace Kelly. Nice! Which he then followed up with a tweet that said, while you're figuring out who's who, click on this link and donate to Centerlink and support LGBTQ oh, youth around the country. Oh, we talked about them. Yeah, who need a place to live, eat, and find safety right now. So Mutt Bomber took something and spun it and kind of acknowledged that, yep, he's one of the white guys, but also tried to make some good out of it. So, oh, that's um, nice. Also, very, very good. Also, Ryan Murphy, you can cast non-white guy leads. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Just, it's a possibility. Just tossing it out there, Ryan. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Time to wrap things up here on Drop the Subject, unfortunately, but continue to interact with us because we're getting more response. Responses from you on gaying up or uh, yeah, gaying up a throwback film, mm. and Justin on Instagram uh, through his suggestion in the ring, Zaddy Daycare. Oh, very good. Yes, I very nice. Can't believe I didn't go down the Zaddy route. Hello. I know. I mean, you really there's I mean, the plenty of fodder there. Yeah. On Twitter, Mrs. Lango retweeted and commented on our best performing post thus far. How do y'all feel about pickles? And this was a mistake tweet. It should have never gone out. Jesse was trying out how to schedule tweets because he doesn't know about social media very much. And uh, this is just going over gangbusters. Mrs. Lango uh, retweeted with comment and said, I effing love them. So I don't think she's talking about our show. I think she's talking about actual pickles, but thank Uh you. Nonetheless, Mrs. Lango... I am glad that uh, that you are married because you're quite a catch. Okay. <laughs> yes, you are. And Mrs. Lango, you have to come back. Bubbies or Clausens? I, I need to know. <laughs> Bubbies or Clausens? Clap back, two... Mrs. Lango. It's you. Right. Let's do this. They're the two greatest types of pickles, but they're very different. We got and you got to pick one. That's it. <laughs> All right. Happy ending time. It is not pickle related, or it might be. It's a time where we get to take something that was kind of sad on the show, turn it around to be happy. Do you have a happy ending, James? I do. I do. So, Callaghan McLaughlin <laughs> of British Columbia may be making more money telling bad jokes than I am right now. He may be receiving more internet fame than I am right now. But at least, Allie, I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. Oh, stop it. I'll let you know. (laughs) That was actually not bad. (laughs) That was pretty good. Which one's going to come first, right? Uh, Yeah, exactly. I'll let you know. (laughs) 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 Take notes, McCalligan or whatever your name is. McCalligan, McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Maybe he's just Scottish or Irish and we shouldn't make fun of Callaghan. It's probably some family name. Yeah, maybe in British Columbia it's like John. Right? <laughs> Maybe it means something. Maybe it's Celtic for like cool dude or something. I don't know. <laughs> cool dude. <laughs> All right. My happy ending is actually a poem. Oh, oh, of course it is. A poem. Because people are finding ways to entertain themselves, and that came in the form of Taco Bell poetry. So I figured I would write my own Taco Bell poem. Oh, and <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Here we go. If you want to cue the music, Jesse, please feel uh-huh, free. Right. Not the Titanic music, please. Don't just, no. <laughs> just poetry music. Quarantine is like a crunch wrap. 
all the goodies are trapped inside. The tortilla is your governor. <laughs> all we need is a stoner's mouth to set us free. <laughs> Spoken like a true stoner. Yeah. <laughs> so gonna be like, yum. And then we're like, ah, we can go outside. Ah, we're free. Ah, poetry. A poem. A poem. If you would like to submit your poems, please feel free. And if you missed anything, please download the podcast. We went in depth with some of the poems that are being posted on uh, the Taco Bell Taco Quarterly. Taco Bell Quarterly actually exists. Yeah. Yes, and you can keep those gay movie titles coming uh, through throwback movies. We also did Drop the President, and we uh, talked about how James is working and staying up late on his dissertation and, uh, and, and much, much more. So if you missed any of it, Please download the podcast, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast. It definitely helps us out, especially on radio.com. And we will see you tomorrow. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.